Wonderful. Thank you all. Anybody going through it? That's where we are in Mark's gospel. We're in the middle of Jesus' ministry. What do you do when you're in a long season and you're in the middle of whether it's work or, or caring for a friend or a family member or a tough season of parenting? What do you do with ministry and life in the middle? And so we're going to look at Jesus' life and the things that he does and what does he tell his disciples to do in the midst of that middle time. For the last couple of weeks, we looked at how Jesus, even though there was rejection and frustration, gave himself away. And he didn't circle the wagons, but he told his disciples, go and free people. And then last week, when they came back, we looked at how Jesus, even though there was ministry around them, called them out for a time of rest. Church, we need to continue to hear that word. Um, do you... Maybe it's at work where you can just get bitter or, or, or begin to look down on other people because you're, you're just gutting it out and you just see them taking time off. And that can just come into our hearts. Do you need some rest? Do you need some rest within your relationships to make sure, and as hard as it is to do in this season, but to find creative ways, safe ways to have time away and to be refreshed? Or in a marriage, one of the greatest things ever happened in our marriage was just taking time out, carving that time out to go to marriage conferences and, and to have that refreshment in our marriage. One of the things we've tried to do since I've been here with our chairpersons, after you've served as a chairperson, I don't ask you to do anything for at least a year. We need rest. And the other things we saw at the end of that passage last week was the importance of of having a life that's clear to a very confused culture. That there's a stark difference in a believer's life. When life's hard in the middle, we still want to hold on to that. We hold on to Jesus' compassion. We'll see that again today. His brokenness uh, for us. And then we still need to be about ministry. Ministry of the word and ministry of action. So here we are this morning. What do you do with life in the middle? Going to verse 55, what do we see Jesus do here? This is a hard word. Because again, you're not going to do it well if you're not resting well and doing the other things. But I love this word from Jesus. He continues to risk. Not only is he self-giving with his disciples, but what he's teaching his disciples to do in verse 45, sending them on ahead to a phrase that you're going to hear throughout the Gospel of Mark and the Gospels. He sends them to the other side. And again, as, as, as you think about that, um, it's a phrase we see a lot in Scripture, and it's a place where it's not good. When you hear about the things that happen on the other side, on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, not only are some things that happen there weird, but there are also some things we'll look at next week that are spiritual and things that are perverse. This is the place where your mama said you don't go there. And Jesus is routinely taking his disciples over there. There's a rumor from somebody I knew who was best friends with D.D. Lewis when he played football at Mississippi State. But there's a rumor that when he played for the Dallas Cowboys that Tom Landry actually let the special teams pick their own captain. I think Tom picked the offensive captain, the defensive captain. But he said for special teams, you can pick your own ca uh, captain. But, but here's the one provision. 
because they were already mumbling and murmuring, oh, we're going to pick this person or this person or that person. He said, hang on, here's the one, here's the one stipulation. You pick the one guy you wouldn't want to meet in a downtown back alley at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh, that's Dee Dee. That's Dee Dee. That's Dee Dee Lewis. It was unanimous. This is the downtown back alley at 2 a.m. that your mama said don't be at. It's got to be in the back of these disciples' minds before this but especially what they, what they have already seen in Mark's gospel. If you go back to Mark chapter 4, Jesus says to them in verse 35, let's go to the other side. And that's where they bump into legion. I don't want to talk about that because we have kids in the room, but that's where they meet legion. Think about that and the terror of that. I, uh, when I was in school at Mississippi State, uh, there was a rumor that there was a certain room that they had shut off access to that top floor of a building because of structural issues. And I actually talked to one of the vice presidents, and he says, yeah, that's why it's shut down. But there was a rumor that they were doing some weird things on that top floor and worshiping up there. So a couple of friends of mine, don't do this, I apologize. Uh, we got up at 2.30 in the morning, wore all black, and we climbed the fire escape and snuck into an open window that led us into that gorgeous facility, that top room of that building. And I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a text. No Mark Heights, it was not a barn. Okay, sorry, he's an Alabama fan. Uh, so at the top of that building, uh, we snuck in, beautiful wooden floor, gorgeous windows. But there in the corner was a worship site. Burnt candles, things burnt into the floor, people who had signed their name, a caricature of a spiritual entity. So we got out of there in about 1.5 seconds, climbed down. But every time I looked at that building for the rest of my time at State, or every time I go there, it catches my attention. It, caught, it had to have caught the attention of these disciples to the other side, to Capernaum, Nazareth on this side, sure, to Jerusalem, the holy city of God, sure. But why do we keep going over? Because it's not just Mark 4. Here it is again in Mark chapter 6. Go to the other side. So no wonder they immediately make this conclusion that Jesus must have been a ghost because they're getting closer to that side and that's where that weird spiritual kind of things happen and that's the conclusion that they draw. Later in Mark 8, 13, Jesus embarks and he goes to the other side. He heals in Bethsaida here in this area, but then he's off in the area of Dan. I won't even talk to you about what they did at Dan, but then he's got him up on that other side northeast at Caesarea Philippi. And we've talked about that in a sermon before, about what was done on that mountain, the violence that was committed against people and the perversity on that mountain, and that's where Jesus has his disciples going all the time. I heard a commentator one time say that, and this would be so fitting of Jesus as you see this practice in his life, that when Jesus said, it's on this rock I'll build my kingdom, we have a couple interpretations of that. It's on this gospel, or it's on Peter that I'll build my kingdom. But it's interesting, what do you do with that preposition in the Greek? Because there's a couple of solid Bible commentators say, no, it's not on this rock, but actually at Caesarea Philippi, with all those wild things they did on that mountain to worship pagan gods, the preposition should read against that rock. That we're going to take the gospel there, 
to that kind of brokenness, to that kind of perversity, Jesus says, this will be my kingdom. We're going to go to people that are hurting. And this is the beauty too. This is just like Jesus. Don't bring them to me. Sometimes you see that happen. The sick here, as he's getting off, come, sure, bring people to him. But so often it's Jesus, let's go. Let's take the gospel and healing and truth and the grace of God to where people are. And that can be, as you see here, that can be a risk to step out in faith and to share your faith. As you look at your life, as you look at your work, as you look at your sphere of influence, as you look at the groups you're involved in, it can be risky. And it can not only be risky, but if you're in life in the middle where you're busy and you're pressed and you have so many responsibilities, anybody want to take? Let's just take and count every responsibility we have. So many things pressing on us. But can you still risk for the kingdom, for Jesus, for the sake of another's soul? And that's what Jesus is teaching these disciples throughout. So who is that coworker? Who's that friend? Who's that neighbor where we need to, being careful for ourselves, Paul talks about that, guarding our own hearts, but, but also stepping out and saying, Lord, where's, where's that other side? You're doing this all the time with your disciples. I know that's your heart. I know that's your pattern. I know that's your intent. Who is that for me? Where is that for me? And when they get to the other side after our passage, you can go down to verse 55 and 56. There's all kinds of people who get set free because Jesus said, go on to the other side. Now, the second thing we see here, and it may be the most important thing we talk about in our time together, looking down at verse 46, what do we do when we're caught in the middle of life? Jesus is caught in the middle of ministry. Do you just gut it out? No. What you see in his life, what has to be present in our life, is a consistent commitment to a life of prayer. And you just see that in verse 46. Jesus sends them ahead to the other side, but what do we catch him doing? I'm going to pray. I don't know about you, but I, I think that's where the devil hits me the hardest. Reading the Bible every day, pretty much every day. I hope I have a, 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 a mind to, 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 to do family well, to do friendships well, committed to groups as we've talked about, to routinely do that. But I'm telling you, when the devil comes, he will come at your prayer life all the time. And when life's in the middle and you're gutting it out and you're struggling, that's so often where we can miss the sweetness of that season and time with the Lord. Watch Jesus' life. Before he picks the disciples, we're reminded in Luke 6, he was up all night praying. When you see what's going to happen at the transfiguration, we'll talk about that in a minute, that incredible moment and, and that, that revelation of who he is and the, and the Father's voice, we're reminded again he had prayed. Before he raises Lazarus from the dead, now think about that, Lazarus is four days gone. In their little mythology of that time, the body and the soul have separated after three days. Nobody can bring that back together. What does Jesus do? Let me show you what I can do. No, Father, I'm so glad that you always hear me. He prays. Um, on and on throughout, even before the cross, but even on the cross, we find Jesus at his prayers. Many of us saw a book years ago 
talking about uh, this moment in the sense when Peter gets out of the boat. If you want to if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. There's something good about that, right? Stepping out in faith and taking initiative to trust Jesus with your life. The pattern here for Jesus, you want to walk on water, you pray. It's got to be prayer. It funds, it empowers the life that Jesus calls us to. And again, when we're, we're in the middle of life, whether it's we're frustrated or we're busy or, or we've, we've just got our head down trying to grind it out to please the Lord, to serve the Lord in our families and, and, and in our parenting or in our friendships or in our, in our serving or in our small groups and classes, we get to that kind of life. And Jesus had all those things pressing him. But what you see in his life, time after time, is a time for set-apart prayer. Can I just say to you, I get emails all the time from all kinds of Christian organizations that say, hey, try this. Do this for your church, right? In 40 days, this can happen in your church if you follow that. And they routinely go to my, to my junk file. But I saw one this week, and I saw the heading. I said, ooh, I might want to read that one. Here's what it said. Pastor, you have some great plans for your ministry this year. But understand this. The Bible says Satan is not afraid of your plans. He's not afraid of your budget or your strategy. He's not afraid of your programs. But Satan is scared to death of your prayers. He knows that anytime God wants to do something great in your family or in your ministry, it starts with prayer. Got to fight for that. Linda, Ben, I, we, we'd all love to pray with you and talk with you about that. You see the life of Christ, life in the middle, gutting it out. He still risks, encourages us to risk, but we find him at his prayers. How do you need to hear and respond to that this morning? Now, let me just say to you quickly, I'm going to spend two minutes on something that I'm not sure is a Bible point. Okay, so I'm just confessing that. There's some fight among commentaries about this interpretation, but a plain reading, and John Wesley would always say, the plain reading of Scripture is the best reading of Scripture, that, that we ought to take it as we see it. Uh, I do want to say something, though, about what we see here, because it sure sounds like what we see in Jesus throughout this entire gospel. Verse 48. If you'll just go there quickly, I'll spend one minute here. But as we watch this, and John's gospel reminds us they've even tried to make Jesus king, and that's part of his withdrawing and going to pray, is he's just getting away from the crowds before this moment because he, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be that kind of king. You and I know that John 10.45 says, here's the kind of king we serve. The one who didn't come to be served, but, to came, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Nobody will take Jesus' eyes off of his cross. And so maybe there's a word here in verse 48 that he really did intend to pass them by. So many commentaries, because of Jesus' compassion, go, no, he was always going to minister to them in their need on that water. But this isn't like chapter 4 on the water, where the wind and waves had really gotten them, was about to break up the boat, and they woke him up saying, don't you even care if we die? It's just a strong wind against them, 
What they're terrified of is when they see him. So maybe it is right, the verse 48. And again, it's a preacher point. Maybe you did intend to pass them by and to meet them on the other side. They've done well with ministering when he sent them out. They can get across the water, and I'll meet them on the other side. The reason I bring that up is, let me say something to you. If I walk on water, I'm renting a billboard. Y'all see that? Take a look at that bad boy. I was walking on water. Social media, sending out pictures everywhere. Jesus is walking on water, and he intended to pass them by, if that's what John meant there. He will not power play us. He's done all kinds of miracles. I know that. He's freed them. We'll talk next week about spiritual oppression. Yes. He's put the power of God on display. But that's not where the power of God is that you and I need. We will not fully recognize him. Nobody really recognizes him till when? When do people fully recognize him? I'm not going to show up, hey, look, I can walk on water and try to power play you or impress you. When is it that we really understand who Jesus is at the end of Mark's gospel? It's when a pagan, a man of violence, a Roman centurion who really doesn't even have a clue, but when he watches the way that Jesus dies, truly, this one was the son of God. It's only in the cross. That's the power of God we need. That's where the full revelation of Jesus Christ was made. Here is the one who is, yes, Lord, but the one who is Lamb of God, the ransom of God for us. Listen, the reason I say all that is to say this. When we get in the middle and life gets tough and we're on edge and we're tired, it can really be a real temptation to try to, to, try to get noticed. Somebody salve a wound for me can somebody just see what I'm doing gutting it out and so I'm going to do what I can do live through my kids acquire all this accomplish this somebody give me a little bit of glory and a break and I wonder if Mark 648 is saying Jesus is not playing that the glory is when he gives himself away on the cross maybe that's a danger and a temptation I just wanted to say as your pastor for us to guard ourselves against when you get tired, you feel like nobody notices, that all of a sudden we might try to press for that. What we want to get noticed is the cross bearer, not us. Anyway, that's just a word there. This last thing, verse 47, and then we're done. When we're out in the middle, here they are with the wind against them. It is just like Jesus. He did it then, he'll do it today, and he'll always do it. It's always like him to say the sweetest things. It's just like him if he did not intend to be with him. It's just like him when they are losing it. And by the way, they're losing it. You read this well. They think it's a ghost and they lose it. I had a, while I was at Mississippi State, I had a philosophy teacher who on the side would teach Bible studies. Some of the best things I've ever learned about apologetics or New Age movement. Had great Bible studies with him, but he told me one time, and I've told our Bible study folks, one time, he was also a youth pastor. And so he had all the kids gathered around and was saying, all right, you guys can just ask me questions tonight. What do you want to know about? And one of the kids said, what does the devil look like and where is he now? And so he wanted to be very careful with that, but also being a youth minister, he also wanted to be very sarcastic with that. So what he did is all these kids are huddled around. Where is the devil? What does he look like? And I can't reenact this for you because of the microphone and we're in church. But he quietly said to them, you know, we really don't know. Uh, and then as loudly as he could, he pointed over here and said, there he is. And the kids just scrambled and ran out of the room, right? That's what's going on here. 
They're panicking. Could this be one of those ghosts or spiritual entities that we've seen? They're crazed. Verse 50 says immediately. That's a word we see throughout Mark. Without hesitating, Jesus immediately, take courage. It is, it's me. You don't have to be afraid. And he gets in the boat. That's his desire. And sometimes when we're in the middle, we can keep our head down, we can gut it out, and we can miss that Jesus' deepest desire is to get in the boat with us. We're not to do this alone. He wants to come, and it's just like him, whether it's in the wilderness times, when God sends the angels to minister to his son, you see that it's his heart, or when Jesus is about to leave and he's saying some hard things to his disciples in John 14, that I'm going away, but it's just like my father to come and send the comforter to you in your time, or right here on the water. It's just like the heart of God to come in our times of desperation or anxiety or fear and to come and say the sweetest things and to get in the boat with us. You need to hear that today? to receive that today? Let's pray about that. Father, many of us are in the middle, whether it's caring for parents uh, in a long season with a friend and a frustration or a struggle there of serving a friend, maybe in a marriage or a long season of work, or just even in serving in the church. We pray that we would see Jesus' life and that would be our life and our response, that we would still find ways to risk, to go to the other side, Uh, to be your grace and be your truth. Father, we also pray for ourselves um, that in our busyness, or maybe in our lack of faith, but lack of belief in ourselves, that we would not miss the, the life of prayer that you've called us to, that we would fully enjoy that so we might be refreshed by you, that we might honor you, that we might better know you, but also that we would be encouraged. Uh, Father, we do pray that you would check our loves and our interests when we're going through it uh, so that we won't do anything to, to get glory or to get noticed, that, that we would draw our attention and serve like the one uh, who was on the cross. We want to lift him up. Uh, we also pray for ourselves uh, as, as we respond to this, your word, uh, that you would bless us, that you would bless us as we... <sighs> That, that we would have faith and belief to know that you're a God who still wants to speak, that you're a God who will not leave us alone, but that through your spirit, through your word, through the body of Christ, you'll meet with us. May we be open to that so that we might say, through it all, it is well. Thank you for this time of worship together. Bless now our response to this, your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.